Hey gang, this is Fillmore, just letting you know that if you enjoy our podcast, quite frankly, a Howard Stern podcast, and you'd like to donate some money for the upkeep, uh, or you want to request certain clips, please donate to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash jimfix. That's J-I-M-F-I-X-X. You can donate as much as you want for as long as you want. There's absolutely no obligation. Welcome, everybody, to Quite Frankly, a Howard Stern podcast. I'm your host, Fillmore, a.k.a. Jim Fix, a.k.a. Fillmore Fingers. And with me, as always, is my stupendous co-host, Sam. Hi, guys. Um, We are in the third, I believe, of our series of mini-sodes. And this one features an article that I believe I posted for Sam but didn't actually read. I just read, I think I read the uh, the title and said, this is a different uh, type of the things.com situation, but uh, it's, it's surely going to be a, a complete piece of shit. So I said, Sam, take a look at it and tell me if it's worth it because I think it is without having seen it. And um, uh, it's, what's the title? Oh, God, <laughs> do you have an hour? <laughs> <laughs> the title is... Robin Williams had a feud with another iconic celeb that erupted in the most dramatic way. What kind no. of title <laughs> well, is first, this? First of all, it's yeah, it's a real it's a real fucking showstopper, isn't it? That's a mouthful. Um, Dan Fitzpatrick is a name also that come I think it comes up. I think he's a freelance schlock writer for Wig. I have to look. I have, I'm gonna hold on for a sec. The article that we found was by a guy named Dan Fitzpatrick. We're not still sure if it's the same person we found on YouTube with only three subscribers on his his channel that makes Stuttering John look like Richard Pryor. Um, and uh, he's only got three followers. And if he's got like a website uh, that looks like a WordPress site, if it's the same person, I believe it is. And either way, guys like this would write for just about anywhere that he could put his name out because you have to whore yourself. This is this is more like the blast stuff too. Like he has a bunch of articles on this website, so when you click his name on it, like by Dan Fitzpatrick, the other articles he have are like Charlie Chaplin's scandalous love triangle, raise suspicions about a Hollywood murder. <laughs> I mean, did he take journalism class? Because there was something I learned. I took journalism one and two, and mm-hmm. everything I know can be condensed down to one simple fact edit 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 it's like less words the better like if you would turn something into your editor you would just have it come back with a ton of red and less words less adjectives get the story out i mean so there is no way this guy ever took a journalism class with these titles yes it, it's it's uh, I can't remember the exact quote, but brevity being the soul of wit, something like that. And, oh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I'll, I'll give you an example. My f- two favorite record reviews of all time. There was a, a Pink Floyd album called Pulse. It was a live album from one of their tours, and it just had like a red dot flashing, a battery LED thing on the side of the CD. And uh, the review simply it was the review was simply. Uh, 
guys, this is proof. You can't put a light show on a record. (laughs) And then then there was, there was another one. (laughs) There was another one, uh, by a band called gene, which is like, uh, which is a British band from the mid nineties. They had a hit called Olympian. And, um, the reviewer simply said Smith's light. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> See? It's so perfect. Yeah, less, I mean less yeah. is more. So anyway, moneyverse.com uh it, there's a, if you go into there about us, this is what it says. We are a media startup founded with the goal of fighting boredom worldwide by engaging our readers with incredibly shareable content. We are on a mission to discover the most extraordinary inspiring and inspiring stories from around the world and share them with our audience. <laughs> We reach millions of website visitors, Facebook fans, and newsletter subscribers every day. If you haven't already, be sure to like us on Facebook. Yours, the Moneyverse team. I don't know when it started. I'm sure we could find that too. But either way, it's just another one of these media blast bullshit sites. We are on a mission for the most desirable, wanted content, and this is what they're sharing. Yeah. Okay. And so this article, and the other thing is there's not even a date on this as far as I know. It's literally just, and maybe that's on purpose. Well, Um, there's a, there's a lot of things right now, um, popping up with Stern because of clearly the contract negotiation talks are not on par. I just told you, I saw an article that was about the contract talk recently, Mm -hmm. and then it's almost the same exact article that was posted in July about how we're going to contract talks are revving up. Well, the almost the same article in July is being now reprinted in a couple different word changes in November. So there's no way that this is going well. No God. And so they must be on a, well, very cheap, but spree um, to get him relevant in, in like in a short bit of time because it's now what November 5th going on the 6th and uh, I, from what I believe there is no contract there's no new contract he's done they're they're done with him well we just like we said in that one article the stock uh I think it was like stock watch or something like that they mm-hmm. said if you're weighing out the options the the dip that the stock will take from his uh departure is is not even considerably that bad because his salary is so high. So take the hit for a little bit, it'll dip, and then it'll go back up because they'll have new talent and more money to spend on new talent. Yep, absolutely. So this article, I'll, I'll start the reading anyway, and we've got some audio. We've got at least one audio clip, clip we're going to play, and we've got some actual um, stuff to refute the content of this article so you can be sure we we did our our due diligence few entertainers have been able to completely be completely innovative in every single role they take on but robin williams always thrived under that pressure but as a comedy icon a few of his more emotional encounters still stick into our minds uh to this day back in the 1990s robin never expected that one conversation with one of his heroes would get so out of control for years later, the pair were never able to make things right until fate intervened in a tragic and shocking way. On one fateful day, Robin Williams was set to make an appearance on a controversial talk show which had radio fans' mouths watering. <laughs> right. Surely, these... Don't call me Shirley. These two heavyweights would dive into a conversation that was both deeply honest and hilarious. You want to go to the next one? I cannot believe what you just said. <laughs> 
<laughs> it really is like uh like when you do that radio affect and go after, you know like uh on one fateful day robin williams was set to make an appearance what was that show not the e like the e true hollywood uh yeah series, you know yes like, uh, and like behind the music yeah, yeah exactly and that overly dramatic and the dun 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 music in the yeah. background like so you can't believe that the girl from the Go-Go's fingered herself on a VHS tape. <laughs> well, the other thing is also you have to, like, this one is very visual. It's one of those, uh, I can't remember if it's uh, what the name, like Flipboard or something like that, but it's a lot of pictures. You got to go through, like, uh, picture by picture, and then you're just getting a caption, and that's how the story's being told because you need a picture book as an adult to, <laughs> to tell the story. This is a false story, too, by the way. This None yes. of this is true. Just so it's everyone all... knows, this this uh, narrative being woven in front of our mm -hmm. very eyes is all a lie. Yeah, it's an extra layer on an already thick layer of bullshit in the narrative that he had this mysterious interview with uh, Robin Williams sometime in the 90s, which, by the way, I've got most of the 90s, and there's no evidence that he ever came in the show, ever. And if uh, Wiggy is such that if there had been a Robin Williams interview in the 90s, they would have included it in some of the um, this um, the history of Howard Stern or the comedian specials that they used to do in the early 2010, late 2000s. Yeah, he had an interview with him, but it wasn't yes. contentious. He didn't say anything about a nanny. No, it's from and, 1986. And it right. was it was just he kissed his ass basically. And he was he was just like, you know, Nobody you was mouthwatering. Nobody. No. So okay. the next next picture, which is uh well, appropriately 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 enough, Robin in drag for Mrs. Oh. Doubtfire. I'm sure Howard's popping a Woody. Uh, <laughs> after all, Robin had undergone a fascinating evolution in recent years, showing off impressive comedic and dramatic acting chops. The stand-up was promoting the outrageous Mrs. Doubtfire. Unfortunately, the host brought up a wholly different topic. Dun, okay. dun, dun. Here's the that problem. Never happened. Here's the problem. Mrs. Doubtfire, if I'm not mistaken, was 92, 93. They're claiming the interview was 1994, so already they got it wrong. Like, the lie isn't even... <laughs> the lie isn't even accurate. And I loved Mrs. Doubtfire when I was a kid. I had it on VHS. 1993, I was correct. So, this is... Anyway, see, uh, the next part. See, no matter... I'm going to do it in that voice Sam did for the blast. Right. See, no matter what station you tuned into, no one on the <laughs> airwaves quite matches up to Howard Stern. The master provocateur made a living out of going where no other radio host dared to venture. His popularity unwavering, Howard felt he could do no wrong. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and the Sadly pictures enough. in the book they show. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to get a screen cap to that. Oh, it's so ugly. So this next paragraph I'm going to do in a drunk Judy Garland, inebriated, end of her life, talking into a tape, which they played on the Stern Show. Hmm. Such a great bit. Yeah. After all, his rabid fan base cheered on all his probing interviews and edgy stunts. Thousands of supporters even joined him into New York to protest the fines the ACC laid on his show. <laughs> and then they show a picture of him with that giveaway of the serious radios in the uh, from the documentary, The Last Days of uh -huh. Howard Stern. <laughs> and it really does look like some kind of uh, 
uh, it's like that scene in Casino when Sharon Stone throws up all the chips and people are scrambling to pick them all up. <laughs> as far as Howard was concerned, there were no limits as to what he could pull off. However, that blind confidence would morph into a heavy dose of regret years down the road when one interview in 1994 changed it all. What does he think he's like rewriting his life like Kurt Cobain, like the 90s and all the angst and nothing happened? Nothing. People have to to remember that this was all during, this was one of the biggest notes during the, uh, the 2019 Howard Stern comes back, comes again book tour. And so when a Robin Williams walked in or a Gilda Radner, people I love and adore, I'm like, I, I've got to keep this going. So I'm blurting out jackhammer like questions. Robin Williams, I hear you having sex with your nanny. Say that one of your biggest regrets is Robin Williams. Yeah, well, there's a lot of regrets. I wanted to call him and say, listen, I'm a huge fan of yours. And when you came in my studio, I was insane. I was not in the right mind to do an interview with you. You came in so open and ready to perform. And that should have been celebrated. And oddly enough, I, I said to my wife that morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on this. And then uh, I believe it was either that day or the next day or whatever, but he killed himself. And I never got the chance to apologize. And I feel, I just wish I could have, you know. And he was, he was peddling this to anybody that would have him. That, oh, Robin Williams, Gilda Radner was the other one. Gilda Radner came in and we, we were, I was too crazy and I was too, he was making it sound like I was wild and wacky and they ran off or they, they had, they got upset, but he was conflating something that he, that was on his show with the, with reality. He interviewed him in 86 then had an uh, impersonator talk as um, the the nanny. I can't remember her name, but I'll get it. Uh, Robin Williams' nanny that he eventually divorced his first wife with for and got, got together with. And it was an Esquire article where they um, had heard Howard like goofing on him. He wasn't in studio for that. But then that later became, oh, he was in studio. And I told him, Robin came in studio. And I said, so yeah, I hear you're fucking your nanny. And he got upset. Why would you lie about that for so long? He had that lie perpetuated for decades. Not only that, but that talking point of Robin Williams and that lie that he's been carrying on, and that's included in this article, goes along with the cancer lie. That makes absolutely no sense. So the only points of his book that were revelations are two complete fraudulent lies, just so everyone's aware. And Robin Williams is a corpse now, so it's not like he's going to be able to refute any of this. And his kids are not going to go after this because what do they care, really? They're, they're, they're more probably upset that their father's dead than this asshole's um, traipsing on his corpse. But to me, it's, it's just no different than the Ian Halperin new book, by the way, which I read most of, and it's, it's all bullshit. He uses sources like Jeffrey Epstein, who's a disgraced, uh, like, a hebophile uh you know, murdered, you know, asshole that, um, uh, that's his source that, uh, Howard, uh, had a hit on him. That was, uh, that was placed by Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra's dead. Epstein's dead. And he claims he slept that Epstein slept with, uh, Allison, right? <laughs> you know, Epstein uh, slept with a, a 45 year old. <laughs> it's why- all bullshit. It's all yeah, bullshit. That's why he's basically playing taxi driver to kids in middle school. Exactly. 
So yeah. we had we we had lined up an interview with Ian Halperin. I had before the book had come out, and he said he'd like he'd wanted to wait until it came out. And I made made the stupid mistake of buying it, and I it was just all it's all horseshit. I don't believe a word of it. And because he's quoting dead sources, and there's no way of he can't get sued by them, and they're never going to be able to uh, produce any kind of uh, unless he has tapes of the audio. I don't believe any of it. There's also. Um, I've listened to podcasts like I am a fan of one called The Portal with Eric Weinstein, which mm-hmm. I will definitely plug that because he's amazing, super smart man. Uh, he talks about his only uh, one encounter he had with uh, Epstein, mm-hmm. and it's so obvious that they had an encounter just by the way he describes everything in such detail and how Epstein was. And he said that he thought of Epstein as a construct. He said, I feel like I just met a construct. Like it's somebody that sounds like they might know something about the financial hedge fund business, but Mm -hmm. not really. Like it sounds like somebody's acting like they know the financial Mm -hmm. business, but doesn't. And all Mm -hmm. these other sort of mental mind tricks that he played with him in the room so just the description in the book that ian let and you compare it to somebody who actually met and spent time with him i i think that's kind of i i think that says a lot Mm -hmm. well i mean the veracity well yeah i mean you're hinging your entire revelation on a guy who's disgraced and dead and uh there's no way and i said unless he could provide audio cassettes or some kind of, uh, you know, video of him talking with Epstein back in the early 2000s. Uh, I don't believe any of it. He, well, he, what's he, the that, difference between this, like Wiggy claiming this, versus yeah. somebody claiming what that guy's claiming? I mean, it's Absolutely. the same thing. You can just say whatever the fuck you want. Robin Williams is dead. And how embarrassing for his daughters, by the way, or yes. family that... That that this fruitcake has to go on all these talk shows after the fact and keep perpetuating this lie and dancing lie. on his grave. Yeah. And the truth is, uh, the, I think when Howard did his birthday show, Robin Williams did some kind of like a, a, a video tribute or whatever. Like, oh, you know. So I don't think Robin Williams had any kind of real animosity. He just didn't want to ever get back on the air with a guy that was going to obviously, you know, use his personal life as fodder for the show and then be very insensitive about stuff he doesn't want to talk about. Loads of people are like that. They don't want to be interviewed. They don't want to, as Riley says, their wives don't want to be down at the club with no pennies on. So, you know. Wait, what do you, you don't think he'd want to know about second input and give all those answers? (laughs) Yeah, and and the truth is, uh, and Robin Williams, you know, so... I mean, anyway, you hinge on this, oh, I regret that, you know, I wrote a note, I was about to write him a note and all this bullshit. Um, I just never bought it then. And I I mean, I knew too much to know, uh, to take any of that seriously. And, but the, when the fact that Howard kept going from junket to junket to junket and talking about it, I'm, I would got furious. I went from being indifferent to just outright being angry. I remember this because you were furious. I remember during this time period, uh, Everything about this frustrated you because I remember oh. talking to you about this oh. previously oh. before we even started this podcast. 
Right. And then I was on a mad hunt to go like anybody, anybody with a 1994 interview and looking through a list of guests, someone kept a pretty good chronological list. It was somewhere on Reddit and, um, I, and I verified it. I spot checked with different shows, different dates that they said with audio that I had of guests just to see if those were correct. And the list was dead on. And there was no mention of Robin Williams throughout the entire decade of the nineties. So this is complete science fiction. Science fiction to the point too, Fillmore, where he pretends that he's some sort of sacred cow that he wishes he could have said something. In 2004, April 19th of 2004, a caller told Howard about some other comedians on Comedy Central uh, had on their list. Howard couldn't believe Robin Williams was near the top of their list. Howard mm-hmm. had to take a break after talking about that. So he was so upset that Robin Williams was a top comic in 2004. But you're telling mm-hmm. me he has regret about a 90s interview. Okay. Yeah. That but never you, and happened. You know, and do you know how many times they shit on comic relief? over the years, like while it was still going on. And I don't blame them. Uh, to be honest, I was on Howard's side. I fucking hated Robin Williams comedy. I still do. He's a notorious joke thief and it, well, a deceased joke thief. And it's, it's all documented, but he was a brilliant, uh, dra- dramatic actor. That's the irony. Like he could have just done I, drama. I liked him as a dramatic actor, but as yeah. a stand up comic, he was just ADD on math. It was yeah. awful. Yeah. And after seeing uh, Martin Short do his impression of him on SCTV, I couldn't, I couldn't take Robin, <laughs> Robin's comedy seriously. He nailed him so perfectly. I wish I could find it, but I'm, I'm sure I'll be able to find it somewhere. We asked Robin Williams if he could tell the difference between freshly squeezed orange juice and new improved tang. Oh, tang you. You're welcome. <laughs> Robin, can you tell the difference? Oh, what pressure. I hope I don't let you down. What if I pick the wrong one? Don't whip me for my mistakes, Captain Bob! Oh, I'm rowing as fast as I can! Oh, Ben Ho was wonderful, wasn't it? <laughs> At any rate, uh, why don't you read the one about the, the next part from the moment? Okay. Uh, how are you going to do it? Who, what voice are you going to do? <laughs> Maria Menounos? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'll just do regular voice, I guess. You could always, you could always do Fran Drescher. Uh, okay. <laughs> From the moment the two men went on air, a thick tension hung in the air, so much for natural chemistry. The interview got off to an ugly start. When never having met his guest before, Howard took shots at Robin's personal life. Perfect. So already there's the lie. There's, a, the, for, there's compounding the lie. Never having met his guest before, he did. He did like if this is if we're to believe that this invisible this this non-existent interview took place, you don't make mention of the fact that he had been in before. So this is how, a th- thorough fabrication. How can they describe the quality of air in the room when this never happened? Exactly. So this is the next part. With a brash attitude and a barrage of expletives, Howard demanded to know why the actor was suddenly messing around with his nanny. First of all, he couldn't swear on terrestrial radio, so that's another lie. The host, of course, was referring to Marcia Garces, or Garces, I'm not sure how it's pronounced, Robin's former au pair who he started dating after divorcing his wife. But the problem is, the interview was in 86, he hadn't done the divorce until late, uh, until after that. So... No matter when, if you decide in, to believe the fiction that he came in in the nineties, um, okay, fine. But the, that didn't happen. That's the problem. And in the interview that does exist, none of this has happened yet. 
Right. It's all in the future. So <laughs> why don't you read the next one, listeners? Oh, God. Listeners, <laughs> I can't even believe they're making this up so hard. Listeners ate up the confrontation, but Robin took it differently. He angrily backpedaled throughout the rest of the interview before leaving the studio in a huff. It wasn't until that night when Howard thought he may have blown a big opportunity. What fan fiction are we reading right now? Dan Fitzpatrick should never have a job ever again in no. journalism. God, no. This, uh, so the next one, the, the interview would surely make headlines, but the host failed to actually connect with Robin. If I saw him in a movie or even Mork and Mindy, he just brought some goddamn pleasure into my life, which is the whole reason I got into radio, he realized. What, where is this quote taken from? Except from like a, a, maybe a recent, uh, a more recent like rework, reworking of history. Uh, that like, there's no, where <laughs> he realized when, when did he realize <laughs> this is bullshit. Uh, let's continue as years. Oh, you can read the next one as years. Oh, thank you. I, I haven't read fiction in a while. <laughs> Harry Potter and the fruit, uh, as, <laughs> as years passed by, Howard came to rue that interview more. Howard doesn't even know what Rue means. No. Uh, he wanted a second chance to give his listeners a chance to enjoy and celebrate Robin Williams. But the most or but the host feared the comic would never speak to him again. Now what kind of what kind of nonsensical horseshit is this? He wanted a second chance to give his listeners a chance to enjoy and celebrate Robin Williams. Like you can't enjoy Robin Williams <laughs> in any other manner of like medium, movies, TV, you know, comedy. Uh it's 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 so Yeah, what it, kind of like, horseshit like, is this? Let's ask Beth. Beth? <laughs> like if not for Howard, the only conduit to which we can enjoy Robin Williams, we'll never get to it. <laughs> We'll never get to enjoy these two two titans of comedic industry. (laughs) And there's that picture of him, like Uh. (laughs) really showing the work the uh, work um, ethic of Howard at the desk. I I did a Photoshop of this with a big thing of Astroglide on there and a guy's hand on his shoulder. I might use that as the Photoshop. He imagined just having Robin back in the studio and giving him free reign to riff. People would love it. Howard also admitted it was just arrogance thinking that Robin Williams can't entertain my audience. How stupid am I? Who wrote this? A fucking fifth grader? I'm not even joking. I don't like know. Any, anybody with a modicum of writing skills would never put something together like this. Even with all these fucking pictures like you're watching a slideshow of someone's trip to fucking Fresno. And I mean, it's, 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 it's embarrassing. If you're a media website, you have to sort of be held accountable for anything you put oh, out. Oh, please. Welcome to what journalism has turned into. It oh. is now the equivalent of shit garbage on cable news that you used to watch. Or like, it's just a fucking barrage of bullshit. This is what here's, journalism is now. No fact checking. I mean, where are the fact checkers in these fucking, you know, ivory towers that we supposedly have in our country? I don't know, because this is all a bunch of bullshit and lies. Right. And the only thing that's accurate is the photo credits 
because they credit each photo to whoever the actual photographer was, or the, was it AP photo or time or whatever, whatever it is. And then they, they're also incongruous. They have nothing to do with the actual story being told, which is, as Sam said, fan fiction. And it gives more credence to the story by including these photos. Like this is an actual truthful piece, which is mm-hmm. enraging. I mean, yeah. They're putting together this, you know, slapdash of photos and comments that never happened. And I can't mm-hmm. believe that it could still be up. Like, it's fine. It's fine. Right. This is a reputable site, guys. Moneyverse. Didn't you hear? It's the most interesting <laughs> in the beginning. Exactly. How hard would it have really have been to get a hold of Robin's agent or his agency or someone to say, like, did this happen? Didn't this happen? No, of course not. When you need to butter up your fake, your, your dwindling meager audience with fake bullshit, you need with, with bullshit. Sorry, that's an oxymoron. You, um, you need sites like this that don't have any, uh, there, there's no, there's no, <laughs> there's no refuting it because who cares? I guess and I that's, mean- that's the, the conceit. Yeah, and the fact that the cancer revelation fell uh, like a giant anchor in the ocean. No one gave a shit. It was a huge flop because it didn't make any sense. So what did they do? They put out Beth loving her boobies because she had a mass in her breast. It was a fibroid, which is common for women over 40. Okay. And she pretended... That they made her wait for six months for the results. Right. That right. would never happen. That would Not never even happen. Not the shittiest medicine and health insurance plan. No. So, and, and, and certainly when you have their kind of money, it's not like they are waiting six months. There's no fucking way. Uh, as his typical neurotic self, Howard put off this grand plan for <laughs> years. <laughs> he put it off. He yeah. put it off like it was wait. on the back burner. <laughs> Like how it's during the high school years were on the back burner. So you're telling me he's like this genius that is just, you know, squirreling this away. This grand plot, this grand plot to trash a comedian that never happened and then write him a note. This was a grand scheme. Right. Okay. Okay. But in 2014, he finally got a hold of Robin's agent. And got his personal information. It seemed like everything would come together. Dun, dun, dun. Until Howard flipped on the news the next day. Oh my God. Hold on. Flipped on the news. Isn't just not to get into like a, a, to boggle down to English grammar flipped on flipped. It would imply got crazy, like reacted in a crazy fashion, turned on the news. Yeah. He, they, well, look at who we're talking about. Dan Fitzpatrick is clearly <laughs> a slow kid on the bus. Right. Billy Madison throwing bananas at Chris Farley. Fucking yeah, moron. Guys, guys, I'm really not trying to pit nitpick here, but I'm saying, if you're going to write a story, if you're going to write fan fiction, make sure you get all of the facts straight. How hard would it have been to go through Mark's friggin' and look up Robin Williams or to find a website? Just Google Robin Williams Howard Stern before all this press started popping out by these bullshit websites and find that you're going to all see all these Reddit things saying he trashed him. You're going to see that people talking to me, he trashed him for decades. Trashed him. 
outright, not having anything to do with this nanny shit, but then bringing that story up repeatedly and repeatedly, yet you're not going to find that interview? Bullshit. Someone would have uploaded it to YouTube ages ago if it had existed. That's the point, though. The fact that journalism has become such a cesspool of disinformation, misinformation, whatever the fuck you want to call it, this mm-hmm. is a complete lie that has been, because he started this lie, right. now these fluff sites picked up on it, now it's become actual fact and something that forever will be will be said. It will be a legend that never happened. He just mm-hmm. invented something that never happened, and now it's in forever in Google. I hope people find our podcast and just say, Robin Williams didn't get a, a fucking shit about you. And you didn't give a fucking shit about him. That's the the story. The only interaction that I could think of was number one, the the aforementioned birthday show video thing that how that Robin put together, which, you know, okay, fine. But then before that in Miss America, there is a picture of him hugging a Howard cardboard cutout, like a flat Howard around the time of maybe, um, God, he looked like he was pro- probably filming The Birdcage, which I think was 94, 90, I think 95 Great uh, movie. Or, ni- or 96, I believe, because he had that look. But then he was sporting the mustache thing for quite a while. Maybe it was something else. Or it could have been Cadillac, man. He looked like that for that film, early 90s. Either way, that was the only sort of indication that there was so- any kind of connection between them other than that one interview from the 80s. That's it. Right. And you and the only other connection is the f- film, um, what was the one, uh, Father's Day, I think, Ivan Reitman did, with uh, Billy Crystal and Robin. They both teamed up to do this comedy, and it just bombed. It was a hor- horrendous bomb. And um, that supposedly Howard was going to do uh, a film later on, that um, Man of the Year, that eventually starred right. Robin Williams. And that, but that the only the real the only real connections I can remember as a kid was, uh, thinking hearing his bullshit about oh good 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 morning in Vietnam was supposed to be about me. <laughs> That's what he said. That's another <laughs> like, fallacy. Yeah, nonsense. So next part, all kinds of rumors about Robin's demise were swirling around, but some some reporters claimed he took his own life, but they just couldn't be true. Howard thought, how could this larger than life comedy giant somehow be immortal? Jesus, fuck. Looks like we're reading the Iliad here. Uh, I'm <laughs> sorry. The next one? What, this, I am so befuddled by this writing. Like, w- are we going to find a horcrux in the next paragraph? Like, what's <laughs> going on? <laughs> the, the, this next paragraph ah. annoys me because how hard would it have been to find the actual uh, affliction that Robin suffered before he committed suicide? But they still, they just, they're vague, vague booking it here. So you, you're going to read this one? Yeah. However, Robin's family soon confirmed the heart-wrenching, or yeah, the heart-wrenching truth. After discovering he was suffering from a form of dementia, Robin decided he couldn't go on. One of the world's brightest lights was suddenly snuffed out, and that's the only truthful paragraph thus far. Yeah, Louis' body dementia, and uh, Bobcat Goldthwait went on a lot of junkets to explain about it on uh, Larry King, a few other things, podcast Joe Rogan, and he talked about it. I did. I hadn't realized they were so close, actually. Him and Robin Williams. Um, Howard didn't want to address his feelings over the air, but this news devastated him. Not only was his hero gone for good, but in their last meeting, Howard had treated him with nothing but disrespect. This time around, the shock jock knew he couldn't brush off his sadness. 
Can you just fucking shoot me? You know what? I want to be Robin Williams right now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's address that. Okay, he didn't want to address his feelings over the air. He doesn't have feelings, guys. Let's get that straight. But this news devastated him. No, it did not devastate him. It was just filler. At the time of the actual death, he had no no way of knowing he was going to release Howard Stern Comes Again years later. But he did want to make sure that that narrative was was put out there that, oh, you know, I'm just about to write him a note. So I want to I want to I want to call Dan Pat Dan Fitzpatrick like I'm more mad at him yeah. for spewing this nonsense unchecked than I am at this flagrant liar who's been like this forever. I mean, everything he does from the, you know, pin curls on top of his head is a goddamn lie so that's not surprising but i'm shocked that people are actually printing this please read this next one which is the most the most retarded shit i've ever had seen printed anywhere okay (laughs) (laughs) howard had to face the truth not just make a joke out of it as a matter of fact he channeled a bit of sean mcguire Robin Williams' character in Goodwill Hunting and saw a psychotherapist. Holy, holy fuck. I'm sorry. Is that just, is Dan, is Dan Fitzpatrick uh, like an India call, uh, call tech support guy who is not quite like English is not his first language? That's the only way you can explain an article like this. You channeled Sean McGuire, his character in Goodwill Hunting, and saw a psychotherapist. How do you channel someone? How do you channel a psychotherapist and see one? He he meant to say he channeled Matt Damon's character. (laughs) Does he have a gun to his head in like a terrorist video and just like, I or a machete, I'm going to behead you if you don't write this? Like, who is writing this? Well, Howard had to face the truth. Had to face the truth. His entire career is a goddamn lie. Wait, what's name? Well, he started seeing a psychotherapist, probably court ordered in the nineties. He didn't yeah. start seeing a psychotherapist because Robin Williams might have not liked him before he died. Right. So it's like this experience oh. brought him to psychotherapy. Well, before we go further into that, because I want to get into that, I'm going to play the Robin Williams audio that Bowie talks about. First, I'm going to read the article that that uh, it came from. Just to go a little further into the Robin Williams uh, nonsense, this is a clip from the end of March 2008, where Artie's still in studio at this time, obviously, and he talks about the aforementioned Robin Williams interview, which never actually happened. So I want you guys to take a listen. Hey, did you see, first of all, Robin Williams is divorcing his babysitter? And now what are they saying she was? A babysitter. Yeah. Yeah. He wouldn't let you say... I married the nanny. Now they're saying they met when she was a nanny. I have been so angry with Robin Williams for so long. I'm a a Robin Williams fan. I love him in the movies. (laughs) Okay, so Robin's helping him gaslight here. Go ahead, Sam. Oh, my God. She's a professional gaslighter. I was shocked Natalie Maines didn't write the song about her. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought that in the article, Howard called her an au pair. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, I like his acting very, very much. 
And when we had him on the show, I was really excited. And I admit I didn't do the best interview. Maybe it was a little bit my fault. Maybe it was a little bit his fault. I well, don't know. Well, he sat there staring at you like a yeah. deer caught in the headlight. Yeah, I don't know. I thought... He was <clears throat> in the studio? Yeah. I, yeah, he was there. When and, was that? Uh, this was many years ago. Not NBC. No, K-Rock. So he talks about... It was at K Rock, and K Rock, as you all know, guys, goes from eighty the end of uh, eighty five to end of uh, December two thousand five, technically. So within that twenty year span, is the interview right? But that's at the beginning. And eighty like six. He just happened to have hired the biggest Howard Stern fan, Artie, mm -hmm. who yep. doesn't remember this, and just like how we are as super fans. We don't remember it either because it Absolutely. didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And people with more comprehensive archives than me don't have this audio. It doesn't exist because I'm, I'm, I'm pretty loaded with clips up the yin yang and I literally don't have any evidence of it. So we'll continue this uh, audio for now. And we're on the air, and, you know, I, I said to him, man, you made that move, you know, you married your babysitter. He got so offended. There was a reporter from uh, Esquire magazine with him doing a story on him. And afterwards, the, the whole... We'll read that in a moment, guys. That's uh, years after this interview, as I've said, uh, after the uh, actual interview. First part of the story is how he was pissed at Howard Stern. How dare he? Oh he meets up with his wife and he goes, he called you a nanny. When is that going to stop? <laughs> and I was dumbfounded. Ladies and gentlemen, to listen to this show. I was dumbfounded. On what planet was Robin Williams willing to rewrite his history? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I almost want to oh throw God. up with what a what a fallacy this is so not only is he making up an interaction with robin williams that never happened the never. esquire interview that he gave is because of this gaslighting that he's doing about an yes. interaction that never happened mm -hmm. it's like so layers he, he's creating layers of nonsense. yeah he's creating this problem that never existed mm -hmm. so we only got a little bit more and everybody was supposed to go along with and go it. along with it. He was saying she's a producer. I said, Robin, Robin Williams, <laughs> she's not a producer. I mean, maybe she is now because you made her a producer, but she was the babysitter. She was your nanny. I mean, what? why am I saying something horrible here? Isn't that the case? Yeah, what's wrong with being a nanny? Well, in the Esquire article, he was like, I can't believe he called you a nanny. I, when is this going to stop? When is this nightmare going to end for us? Okay, yeah, and we will read you the exact Esquire piece, and I'll actually put a screen cap out of it, guys, for your benefit, although I'm not sure you're going to be able to read it based on the quality. Yeah, go ahead, Sam. Okay, well, then why are we calling Beth an author? Yeah. Why are we calling her an animal activist? Yeah, why instead, are of we calling... instead of stepmom. Yeah, why are we calling Beth a model? <sighs> I mean, I'm yeah. So confused right now. Why would we call her the nanny? And right. you think he's offended? You just make up titles for your wife at will. Mm -hmm. When are people going to stop saying that? And I'm like, you fucking retard. <laughs> You're a bright guy. You're a comedian. You, you know, you've got to have some brains. You married your fucking nanny, asshole. You hired a woman to come watch your kids and you dumped your wife and married her. So the June what are you doing? Oh, sorry. The June 1989 uh, Esquire that this article came that he's talking about, uh, Robin Williams has a big premise. It reads as followed. 
Uh, it is the morning after the benefit, and a local DJ named Howard Stern broadcasts a fake phone call with a fake Marsha Grace Gar- Gar- Garces, whatever her name is. Um, the real Marsha and Robin have just announced her pregnancy and their plans to marry when his divorce comes through. So on the air, Stern razzes the stand-in Marsha and asks to talk to Robin. Meanwhile, the city is crisp and beautiful, and Robin and Marsha spend the morning shopping oblivious. So it keeps going. It says here, a friend of theirs has heard that Marsha has talked to Howard Stern on the air. Smiling, he asked them about the broadcast. Both their faces change. You mean they said that was me, Marsha asks? I think so, the friend said a bit nervously. I didn't hear it myself. I only talked to someone who did. Marsha growls, sardonic. She, looked at, she looks at Williams, shaking her head. I can't believe that guy, she says. You didn't hear it yourself? Williams asked the friend. No. Marsha looks down, pursing her lips. The dark eyes look darker. God, it's that nanny shit again, Williams. Um, so then it just discusses some of the, uh, the problems he had with his divorce and down near the bottom, uh, it says, uh, he turns toward Marsha. We'll listen. Uh, we'll, we'll listen. We'll get a tape of it. Um, then, uh, Mar- Williams turns to Marsha who is fretting about Howard Stern again. Don't they have to use a disclaimer? She asks. Well, they're supposed to, Williams says. So, so this says, is, this is like yeah. the Dolly Parton thing. When they mm-hmm. were having the audio of Dolly Parton played, that sounded, you know, they took her voice and they played it into a bit that yeah. sounded like it, it was her doing it, that she was upset and she was going to sue them. Yeah. Because you, couldn't, cause you couldn't suspend reality from what they were actually playing. No, it was like the Ed McMahon the show. <laughs> and Ed McMahon, well, he was dead by that. I know he wasn't dead, actually. He was still alive. But uh, he probably didn't hear about it. But God, those Ed McMahon tapes were funny, especially when read, uh, they played him for Gilbert. So there's that. And then we're going to play now the buoy uh, portion of the wrap-up show from 2014 in which he con- completely contradicts Howard's bullshit. Uh, and it's a short clip. But you were telling me that he might have a story mixed up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I think his memory is a little a little bit off on this. He he did say some things about Robin that were very upsetting to Robin. But I don't think that uh, Howard saying that he was he didn't wasn't nice to him in the interview. And I actually remember the interview going fairly well. I remember Robin coming in and looked like he'd been up all night. You know what I mean? It was it was young. Yeah. Was, the interview's got to be from either eighty five or eighty six. Okay, so we've got that documented. 85 or 86. This yeah. is Bowie. Okay. And why does, what does Bowie have a, a reason to lie? And he's being very careful how he's doling this information. Mm-hmm. I think. But I don't remember the interview being anything weird or, or anything like that. In fact, it was one of those instances where you have, some, you know, w- which we would do a lot. You'd have some, somebody on, they'd be really cool, and then we'd be a dick to them. Yeah. Okay, well, that's that's making your <laughs> you're making the uh, Marcy Turk project that much harder, Bowie. But let's continue. And so I think the interview is probably okay. But I remember exactly what happened was uh, we got a copy of GQ magazine, and when Robin and his wife arrived for the GQ interview, they said, "Did you hear what Howard was talking about this morning?" And I think there was even I, I remember it so well. It was something about we might have to look into a lawyer. So that maybe there is a GQ article, but he, I think he's referencing the Esquire thing. Yeah, that's what he meant. It's not the uh, GQ, it's the Esquire. And Bowie says exactly, I remember exactly what happened. So think mm-hmm. about how this whole narrative has been built on just, he just gets to run with this. And yeah. no one checks him. I mean, don't you think that Gary, knowing this in his head during this book tour of Howard Stern comes again, should have checked him at any point. 
This is the thing that I don't quite understand. Well, I do understand. If you're a narcissist, as we've established through our many uh, uh, NPD episodes that we've done over the, the, the year, that there, there's a false self. Can you imagine being Bowie and having to tell this guy who's never wrong, oh, you're wrong about this, by the way, and torpedoing his whole bullshit narrative so that he can't go on this junket and talk about it because he's incorrect? Gary, I'm sure, is strictly just, hey, paycheck driven. I don't care. You want to gaslight them? Go right ahead. I know the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, you, rather than, you know, your boss maybe getting pissed off at you and turning you, because he knows exactly what would be in store from if he punctured uh, Stern's bubble. Well, now? Like, yeah. With all this on top of it? Like, you know, then this is, I'm going to give full credit to Cormano, who condensed a lot of this from uh, Reddit. Brilliant. Said, yeah, however, it wasn't the first time Howard would masquerade as the Long Island medium. Days after 60 Minutes journalist Ed Bradley had passed, Stern stole, told a story about how he had just turned to Beth with the idea of having Bradley over for dinner. It's funny, too, because just like a week ago, I said to Beth, boy, I like this Ed Bradley. I said, gee, Ed's one of those guys I would really like to invite to dinner. <laughs> And then when he went to the funeral, he goes, I was just in the neighborhood. And Artie goes, you weren't in the neighborhood. <laughs> and he goes, no, well, I wasn't. But, you know, I wanted to go see who was there. <laughs> that's a whole other saga that's going to be on my channel if it isn't already, guys. Oh, yeah. Just like, you know, the people who actually mourn people's death, he can't even comprehend. So right. he, oh, don't you think it's just the best, a celebrity funeral? Right. See who's there? So like it's a so Knicks game. Yeah, so we've fully established that the fiction that the whole Robin Williams thing is complete nonsense. The experience forced Stern to reckon with aspects of his life he'd neglected for years. His relationship with his parents, his need for attention, his anxiety. While therapy wouldn't bring back Robin, it did change Howard for good. So Robin Williams, he has Robin Williams to thank for putting him in psychotherapy 14, 15, 16 years after he's already been in it. Couldn't it have been Robin Quivers? Um, yeah, exactly. Okay. With a new lease on life. Oh, I can't. I... <laughs> you seeing the gift that he uses? <laughs> I don't understand if the, is he part. Is he in on the joke? Is Money Verse some kind of Mad Magazine spinoff? <laughs> is this like The Onion? No, it isn't. Like it's meant to be some kind of news blast. That's all it is. Okay, so I need to talk to this Dan, like, immediately. Um, yeah. With a new lease on life, Howard pledged to be more open and thoughtful. Hmm, <laughs> Scott the engineer. <laughs> ring, ring. How much no, did your boss donate? No kidding. Zero. Uh, especially around the other showbiz idols. He wanted to do more than just go for the cheap laughs. What? <laughs> When he has, has gone Debbie the Tom Lady on. <laughs> what? The he had Ronnie. He's been calling the same dumpster eating retard Wendy for 30 years. And he, he doesn't spent, want to go for the cheap laughs, Fillmore. Okay. He spent he spent fifty percent of his show asking his like septuagenarian limo driver about an impacted shit and how he got it out of his arsehole. And found this, and this was not a cheap laugh, guys. This is, you know, this is like, uh, <laughs> this is like the Marx Brothers. Um, so <laughs> go ahead. Uh, he sought to connect. <laughs> <laughs> he sought to connect while adding in an outrageous stern moment. 
here or there. I see. What? So this gift that he's he's put up with is him trying to kiss David Letterman, which, by the way, is standard with every male uh, host ever. Um, oh. oh, that's wait, a cheap. So th- that's an outrageous moment. Him going uh, gay. I'm shocked. <laughs> I love this. So yeah, you're right. This is absolutely some kind of fluff thing to make him out to be a uh, saint. Uh, saint. Svi. Howard's fresh outlook also brought him to a new career, new career opportunities like his stint as a judge on America's Got Talent. He'd spent so many years as radio's bad boy that he wanted to showcase, show audiences the good guy inside of him. He went on America's Got Talent in 2012, years before Robin died. Sorry, guys. And not Robin Quivers, Robin Williams. We just want to clarify because I know what we're all hoping for, but... (laughs) I'm never hoping for Robin to die, but, uh, you know, just more like, you know, expecting it. Um, so this, so the, again, I don't mind that you get some of the things slightly wrong because that's kind of normal, unfortunately today. And we're supposed to, it now every, every fucking our news article or every kind of piece is something you've got to expect. They're going to fuck up these days. Gone Listen. are the days where you're going to read something and expect you're being fed, you know, reality. And the National Enquirer, I'll tell you guys, the National Enquirer, for all of its, for years and years of being like the butt of jokes, actually, you know, broke real stories, true stories over the, de- the decades and didn't have to retract very often. So don't you think it's odd that since we've been doing this podcast, we have found these <sighs> websites that just do nothing but lie and, you know, make this propaganda up for his career Right. I kind of find it insane. Like, mm-hmm. okay, so now we have to figure out, as the investigative podcasters that we are, what yes. does the Buckwald Agency, who obviously contacts these freelance writers for these websites, what are their connections with these sites? Because they happen to be always the same. So it's like this, the things, the blast. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some sort of connection. And how is it that they're able to spin these lying narratives mm-hmm. without well, any sort of blowback? Yeah, nothing. Without I mean, nothing. Actually, without, that, well, first of all, there's no comment section as, as far as I can tell in this. And it's all, again, it's like a kid's picture book. It's like a board book, the way they've got the layout. So there's no one there to rebut this nonsense. And if you're someone who doesn't know anything about Howard, why would you think this is um, bullshit? I why mean, would you I, think the next you know, paragraph think could literally about- say that he's delivered Robin Williams' child in a van? <laughs> and it wouldn't, I mean, that's as truthful. What, what difference does it make at this point? Because this is all a lie. Okay, so read the next bit of bullshit. Okay. Yeah. But in typical Stern fashion, he hated the cheesiness of the show. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he dry humped Nick Cannon on a couch and danced in front of a bunch of kids like a robot. You have He's, to be you have to be kidding me. He felched the cheesiness out of the asshole of that show. Oh like it, yeah, I'm sorry if I, I turned off a couple people there, but he loved, he could not get enough of it. How often did you see him go, go on stage trying to mug for, you know, like dancing like a fruit and, uh, you know, doing all kinds of nonsense for the sake of just being an attention whore. He loved Hair. that show. He loved, he loved everything about being on that show because it was network television. Yeah. Hair parade 
Uh, yep. Still, he was glad he went out on that limb. It proved he was more a more mature man who would hopefully avoid mistakes like his disastrous 1994 interview with Robin. Oh, okay. so it all comes together now. I see. Right. So this one here, okay, after all, Howard can be a surprisingly sensitive guy away from the microphone. Look no further than his love life for proof. See, the year 1999 was a tough one for him. His 21-year marriage to psychoanalyst Allison Burns had ended, and he was in the middle of a personal low point. <clears throat> okay, Fillmore. Here's the proof. This has been a constant theme in these weird articles. Yeah. Look at the proof that he's heterosexual and that he's evolved because he's been in two long-term relationships and the other ones that he supposedly were in are clearly all Buckwald clients. So this is very more of a red flag than anything. Uh, It's it's crazy. I think we are unraveling and I wouldn't be surprised that if this contract doesn't, if this doesn't get renewed, there's mm-hmm. going to be some sort of between him forcing Ralph to come out on the show mm-hmm. and everything else that we know and mm-hmm. are pushing and showing the mm-hmm. gayness throughout the years. I'm, I'm telling you it's going to happen. What, that he's actually finally going to come out? I think so. I think he's going to. I think it's like a last, not even in an honest way. I think he's just going to do it because he has literally thrown everything but the kitchen sink out before this contract. It is It is staggering because if you remember in previous contract years, it really is just um, the odd fluff article near the end of the run, like the end of the year and on the show, some vague you know, some vagaries like, oh, I'm not sure. I'm still kind of weighing my options. I'm not sure if I'm going to sign. But you never would see this kind of barrage of bullshit fluff pieces to make him look like he's, you know, King fucking Farouk. And um, and make him seem like he's all that. And the other thing is the, the, the quality of these articles, the quality of this bullshit fluff is so amateurish that it's almost as if, guys, it's like the Buckwald clients, the Buckwald agency said, guys, we're not. We're going to pay you on the number of hits you get. If you get X amount of hits, we'll give you fifty bucks for this piece. But otherwise, they're all staff writers. They're all, you know, you guys are going to be tasked with a, you know, we'll disseminate. You're getting paid no matter what from your normal salary. But we're tasking you guys to put out whatever crap you can throw against the wall. We're not even going to care if it's true. We're not. We just want it to get some hits. That's what we want. Cheap hits. This is total Cheap. clickbait. Yeah, cheap hits, like cheap heat to get him sort of noticed. And uh, we had to seek this stuff out. We had to actively look for this crap. So the next part, my marriage. Oh, this is for you. Oh, great. My marriage ending blew my mind, Stern shared in an interview with Rolling Stone. I was upset that I failed and let down my family, my kids, and my ex-wife. It was all very painful. Right. Mm -hmm. The radio personality famously uses his show as an open journal, so it was no shocker when, in his post-divorce slump, Howard took to the airwaves to discuss his newfound bachelor freedom. (laughs) Oh, MG, we are really going to go down the heterosexual mad tear now? Yes. (sighs) Yeah, yeah. We got to make sure we prop up that flaccid, fruity dick. Um, I'll read this one. You can get the next one. Freshly single... 
Howard dove headfirst into the dating scene. Quickly, he found that hooking up with a revolving door of women was not solving his self-described neuroses. <laughs> and then there's a there's a there's, there's a, a gif, gif of him and Heidi. of him looking like I don't know if Templeton the rat decided to come to life and put on a wig. I mean, what it, is this really? Howard was looking for a constant companion. I just wanted somebody with me every minute, he admitted. Within a few months, he'd met someone who perfectly fit the bill. So not only are we going into his uh, fake psychotherapy reason with Robin Williams and regret, now we need to plug the beard. Yes. Okay, so so start plugging. So it it starts to make more, it makes way more sense when you think of it as we're shopping this narrative to anybody who's interested to, to the to the one two people maybe still interested no well nobody's interested but it has to be out there right when beth met howard he was she was a <laughs> what hold on when beth met howard he was just a nice distraction at a dull dinner it was the year 2000 and the model slash author sat at her <laughs> friend's <laughs> manhattan party plotting an escape <laughs> oh my dog Oh my God! Notice they don't mention actors; they go author, don't right? Because to just spill something. <laughs> I might have to play that one too. Are you going to read that one? <laughs> I'm sorry, I barely handled my own saliva down my throat. This is <laughs> so insane. Is this is this better or worse than the things.com one that we did? This is more incredulous. The things is just basic sort of uh gas station bullshit yeah snacks of that they put out this right. is a whole grocery store of bullshit right. right you know what i mean yeah we're at a dashes all right howard <laughs> howard grabbed the only empty chair available which happened to be directly across from that film where's dying left <laughs> hold on i'm laughing because it's indirect uh, direct contrast to the lies they've been telling, which is she sat down next <laughs> to him. I know. She sat know. down next to him and fed him, according to her. But if you'd listen, depending on the story, the feeding never happened. And, uh, you know, she was with a date and he was caught. He was from South, South Africa. Yeah, South Africa of Fillmore, because you know how many times restaurants run out of food during dinner parties <laughs> when you're right. really rich? It happens and so it, often. Depending on the audio, Sorry, Ralph was there. <laughs> Ralph was there. Like, you don't even have a box of McDonaldland cookies you can throw at me. So the Ralph was there, Cabby was there. Then all of a sudden, more recently, Ralph might have been interested in Beth, and I horned in on his action. <laughs> <laughs> he was remember that pretend fight where he was like, "Yeah, I'm a li- I was a little mad about that." <laughs> I'm sure you were. Was that when uh, you were trying not to bite the head of his penis? Okay. Continue, continue from the second sentence. <laughs> her, her intro line, sarcastically complimenting his eyes, was actually an attempt to mock a girl who tailed him all evening. This is lost <laughs> This That's has a lot to do with Robin Williams. And who is Beth, the FBI? <laughs> Tailed him? Okay. What? what, is she going to fucking plant a bug in his TV? 
Weirdly, they discovered their Upper West Side apartments were only a block apart. Playing it cool, Howard waited until 4 a.m. that same night to call and ask Beth out on the spot. That sounds cool. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I just got home. What are you doing? (laughs) And they've taken a picture for the next one. I've got to put the the picture comes from a series. I love this one. In the actual picture that usually gets shown, he's next to this. On the right of him is some old biddy completely disinterested in life. It looks like Ray's sister more than anything. And he's completely out of it. And Beth is chatting up with two broads about her age or a little younger, having her wine and champagne right here. He looks like grandpa. You're just making sure he's alive before you continue on with your partying. <laughs> like he just put a mirror up to his mouth to see if he's breathing. <laughs> it really is. It's hospice end of life. <laughs> All right. Sorry, guys. I tried to get off mic when I laughed. So you're going to read that one? (laughs) From from that night on, they were an item. From that night on, they were an item? No, they weren't. According to them, by their words, their own words, they weren't an item until after that. He actually famously went to the Playboy Mansion after that, and I believe Beth leaked... This article and leaked herself to the press because she was pissed he went to the Playboy Mansion. Yeah, not only that, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Chauncey once said that this there's the stuttering John Cabby fight where uh, at one point there was Beth was there, but then also Jillian Barbary was there and she kind of took right. him somewhere and who knows, probably sucked him, sucked him off, who knows. And, um, at any rate, so Beth was definitely not an item until 2001. Like, she, he didn't even mention her by name for the longest time. Right. And listen, we're not saying, like, I don't, I think that Howard has tried to have straight sex and, like, do stuff with women to just, you know, not be gay. Right. And because he's so self-hating. Yes. But I, I think that uh, he realized, I need to lock someone down and he was interviewing beards for a bit. Yes, absolutely. And who, who was going to be the best? Well, it all, you know, it all depended on, you know, who fit the profile and the profile was always going to be some blonde would be, it, it flew in the face of what he said on the air, which was he wanted an earner. He wanted like a Pam Anderson type who had her own money and she's famous and all this, but in inherently, if he really wanted a beard, that would have been better. It would have been better to be with someone a bit famous. But then, it, can you imagine Pam Anderson saying, I sleep with this? Oh, it, it could never happen. And they people couldn't tolerate this. I mean, look at what's happening to her from doing this. And by the way, we started off talking about Robin Williams. And this is where we're at. We, we're landing on this fucking wonk. So. Right. It's what? and we still have to keep and and here's another thing that's odd that I find in all these articles. Why are we still retelling this tale that has been told so many times? Why do we have to keep reassuring people of this love of this story? Why have you ever seen anything in your life like this where you have to keep retelling the tale of how two people met and how in love they are? 
Well, that's the whole point. Like it's it's almost like um just imagine your favorite autobiography, like might be Cash by Johnny Cash, or you know, might be the Kitty Kitty Kelly Frank Sinatra book, or oh and by the way, everybody, there's one by George Jacobs, um side side point. George Jacobs called Mr. S, which is the best Sinatra book you'll ever read, even better than the one um The Way You Wear Your Hat, which is excellent. And uh I rec- totally recommend it. Anyway. You you read a bi- autobiography and you think, okay, this is the definitive story, right? But then the next week there's another book comes out, tells you a completely like a, a, like a, a, a parallel story but with certain differences. Like two unauthorized biogra- biographies but all both of them getting details wrong. And then a week later there's a third. Right. There's a third. That's also it shares some similarities to the other two but also has differences that they don't have. So – it, what, I don't understand. What is it? Mis- misdirection? Directed misdirection for the purposes of what? Clouding? I think, I think we're focusing even on the wrong thing by even saying, okay, yeah, there's all these plethora of mm, wrong stories that don't completely match up. I think it's more why are these stories even being constantly put out in the first place? Like I said, who needs to have this constantly reiterated in press 20 years later, Fillmore. Like, no, why? Why? It's off as this, uh, like, trying to make him sympathetic using the Robin Williams bullshit angle. Then it turns into a CV for both of them, but a flawed one, first of all. It's all flawed from the beginning. But my point is, if they're all getting these details wrong, how can you trust any of them, first of all, if you're just a casual non-fan or a casual fan? And, this, and thirdly, if you're the people, if they are being put forth by the Buckwald agency, why are there, is there so much, so little detail being paid to them to make sure that they get them right? Well, I think one of our fans today wrote on our page that we should do a in-depth thing, investigation of the Buckwald agency. And I kind of think that's a brilliant idea because between all of these fluff pieces that we have been reading and just his relationship with Don, Don, I think that would be something worth exploring. So maybe we can kind of tie those, those loose ends together. Some of that we know from the Colford book and, uh, because it details Howard's beginnings with Don and that's invaluable. That's why we really have to do the, the Colford book before we, before we go on to another saga. Um, but because people have to understand Buckwald was a, a radio agent before he was anything else. And he decided to corner that market because, and work in volume. Because if he had like 20 DJs giving him 10%, it would be the same as one mega movie star if he could get one that will be hot for a while, but then you never know. So you're banking on him getting 20 million, like the Jim Carrey money uh, per film, and then hoping your 10 and 15% comes in constantly. But if you have volume, if you lose one client or they die, you're not really shorting yourself much money. So it's smart in Don's case because they would do all kinds of ads. He gets a cut of that. Anything. It's all 15% across the board. So from that night on, they were an item. But any inkling of wedding bells was far off in the future. Howard famously disavowed marriage after his divorce. That part is true. 
that one sentence. <laughs> I mean, the ratio is not great, but that one's true. The next part, the reluctance to tie the knot came from the radio personality's fear of ruining a good thing. In the eyes of the public, however, remaining unmarried contributed to the perception that their relationship wasn't serious. And the picture they posted is on the love set where she's looking up at him like the biggest Stepford Dr. Ablo, like, we'll put it in there uh, if we can. I'll have to edit it a little bit. But- so she does this pose and she's done this from the beginning of the relationship. It's, yes. It's... Just like when you were a kid and you're told to pose a certain way, like put your hands in a fist under your chin and look up at the ceiling or something cute. She does this for every single picture with him, like some doting. It's so fake. I would just love to see the live shot after she gets this picture because I'm sure it's just a scotch resting bitch face. Yeah, and, and also she he's pushing her away like the way certain politicians might want to get their wives or whatever their their hookups away from them because you know it's just a photo op and that's what it looks like here he looks like he could be talky he looks like he's holding a bag of chips in his arm you know yeah it's a bunch of charcoal um exactly so Beth too by the way does this thing where I've seen her on um, those morning shows like the Today Show where people will film her about to go on and she has the biggest resting bitch face I've ever seen in my life the second the camera goes on it's shark teeth it's fucking sharknado smiling like a maniac I mean it's like night and day so this is my question to you then Sam as a result of that do you think it's a it's just an extension of her personality like to to be this grump or do you th- like she's pissed off and she's basically showing she's pissed off at life. She's just fed up with her fucking life because to, to do that smile takes so much effort. The model th- smile. It looks almost a, at this point. It looks like so hard to maintain it that I think that that's why she stopped coming on the air. They bought her a mic for them to help Mm. with the show for the basement podcast and recently she just stopped even coming on and then he goes why do you run away from me she stopped bringing down the strawberries she's not coming on with the second mic that they set up i think she's just done with the show so do so in in, guys by the way we're talking about very recently we're talking in the last since covid basically i mean uh, she played it better 20 years that's better acting, even though it sucks and we can all see right through it. I could never be that. I don't care how much money, how many bags or shoes or fucking bullshit Hamptons parties I can get drunk at. It's not worth yeah. it. When we finished off that part, uh, the reluctance to tie the knot from the radio personality's fear came, came from the radio personality's fear of ruining a good thing. In the eyes of the public, however, remaining unmarried contributed to the perception that their relationship wasn't serious. And we played clips of before, I think it might have had intro clips where he said the doorman was giving her looks like she was a floozy and stuff like that, which I think is incredibly telling. It was really about the appearance of how it looked. Right. And then we had all the, you know, Beth's so hot. Everyone's jerking off on the train, spitting on her. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Bless you. So how about the the next (laughs) next one here with the fedora picture? (laughs) Oh, well. Sorry. Sam's allergic to bullshit. (laughs) 
I am. Some of the speculations about their relationship concern their 18-year age gap. Is it 18 years or isn't it more than that? Okay, but whatever. The difference mattered little to Howard and Beth, a fact proven by their unwavering seven-year partnership. I mean, why the fuck do you need to be doing this right now? And also dig that photo which is from the Hamptons where she's doing the exact same thing, looking at him adoringly or let me make sure I got my eye on. It's really disturbing. This, this look she has in her face. I did in a previous um, thing that we used to be a part of like a, an entire article montage of like her looking at him like that. Mm-hmm. And it is goes from the time they met until now she still mm-hmm. does this. It's very bizarre. Yeah, it's not natural. That's I think it's completely unnatural is the real uh, talking point here. The next part, uh, in 2007, Howard decided it was time to ask Beth to marry him on air. Howard shared the explicit details of his cheeky proposal to Beth in bed. She delightedly accepted. <laughs> what you don't hear, and I have the audio somewhere, was we, he goes, we were fucking, and she uh, couldn't take her eyes off the rock. <laughs> yeah, he made her get naked. <laughs> exactly. And this is the, oh, look at me. Um, look at me and look at my ring, uh, photo. I'll put that up as well. Uh, the next one. Oh my God. Look at how gay he looks here. <laughs> it's like Billy Squire in the rock me tonight video. Go right ahead. His means of asking rung true to his radio bravado, but his reasoning was touching. What a shit writer. Part of the reason I got married was that I wanted Beth to understand how important she is and also how equal I feel she is to me, he said. I mean, this sounds so clinical and insane. It's like one of the main reasons. To me, I don't, uh, you know, look, our life is great together and I wasn't looking for any kind of change. But at the same point, too, I think certain people treat her like... um, She's my, you know, floozy. You know what? I, I, can give you a perfect, no, I can give you a perfect example. Yeah. Remember how David Brenner had that girlfriend, and even though they lived together. Yeah, she was always the girl. She was like the girl. This, yeah. And it was kind, it's kind of like I see, you know, what goes really? on. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so there you go. So the it reason was, you marry someone is because the doorman or David Brenner's girlfriend was treated like a floozy. So you think you need to marry someone over that? If that doesn't scream beard, I don't know what does. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Um, are we reading this part or this one here? Oh, yeah, yeah, the this one. one. Yeah. The next one. Okay. The formative years of their relationship lasted a long stretch, so their engagement was decidedly shorter. Family and a slew of celebrity friends gathered in Le Cirque restaurant in NYC for the nuptials. Mm, um, didn't wrong. family have their own thing and celebs had their own thing? It was straight up celebs at Le Cirque, and the yep. family apparently had some Hamptons bullshit. Bullshit. Okay. The next one. <laughs> this is funny. Hand in hand, the couple swapped vows, led by their officiate, Mark Consuelos, who doesn't talk to them anymore, by the way. Other notable rice throwers at the ceremony included Sarah Silverman, John Stamos, Joan Rivers, and Barbara Walters. Why does your wedding sound like a roast? Other rice throwers included Uncle Ben. Um, <laughs> okay, so 
Mark Consuelos and Kelly Ripa. And by the way, he did go on the air at one point and explain that they were not friends anymore. I'm sure it had to do with him t- uh, talking shit about her, her, sh- her getting fired. It wasn't. No, uh, she wasn't fired. It was. Oh, what was it replaced? Her her partner Michael Strahan was, was going it. to a different show, and she wasn't happy how the network handled it, so she refused mm. to show up to work. So yep. he said, doesn't matter what's going on. You have to show up to work. And he like, you know, scolded her for no reason. Yeah. yeah. In public. Like, I mean, it was on his show and it got press. Uh, the wedding of the world's most famous radio personality had to be sprinkled with some major pizzazz. It's misspelled, I believe. Uh, but I could be wrong. Howard's old pal, Billy Joel, serrated the, ser- ser- serenaded, I was going to say, he serenaded the meat. <laughs> Billy Joel serenaded the guests with an impromptu love tune, and Chevy Chase gave a raucous speech, which I would love to hear, but we can't. It's not raucous. It was literally Ass shitting. Fucking. Yeah. It, the speech Chevy Chase gave was talking about how he got anal warts. And y- anal yeah. sex. <laughs> or gave him anal herpes. Let's see if I got this one. Chevy, hold on. Chevy Chase wedding speech. Okay, let's, let's four oh, minutes. Oh, God. Through. I won't go through number. that. No, but I wanted to see, okay, the end of this. Let me get this right. You're going to get someone funnier like Ted Koppel? <laughs> like All right, somewhere around here. Up and uh, started saying that I used to fuck no. Asked him to okay, start saying it. that I used to fuck him in the ass and yeah, right, yeah. or something like that, and and I thought it was and humorous. that's not true, right? I don't think uh-huh. so. Uh-huh. I mean, if it's true, they I couldn't understand. have been in college. <laughs> I don't remember every guy who fucked me in the ass in college. <laughs> I mean, listen, be more specific. I don't think you two were in the same year. Yeah. Thing. but yeah, I think I Chevy is any older guy. So <laughs> Chevy, I mean, is a fun. I mean, I think Chevy Chase is great. I love uh-huh. his movies and stuff like that. Just that was one of the worst. And I've been to a lot of weddings. He wasn't prepared. One of the worst toasts. The guy co-created Saturday Night Live. Yeah. No. Okay, now the what? What the reason that's part of a, a thing called the Chevy Chase wedding speech saga? It's only ten minutes of clips because they so rarely talked about it. But it goes from again passive aggressive Wiggy going, "Oh, uh, you know, I thought it was funny. I thought it was great." And, and and Gary trying to back him up. And then as people start going, that was really inappropriate. We all thought it was inappropriate. He goes, "Yeah, he wasn't prepared. It was so he clearly was fucking pissed off at it." Chevy Chase totally trolled the fuck out of him. Trolled yeah. him like a professional. And the mm-hmm. funniest part about it is Beth and Howard mentioned this and name dropped the speech like it's something to be proud of because they're such fame whores and attention oh, whores. Yeah. Initially that's how they, they they tried to work they tried to put Right, it like, out. oh Chevy Chase gave a speech and, and it was super funny, you know, it was really Yeah, it was funny. so funny. It it's it wasn't. No. So that this is the only proof we have of how great the troll was. I wish I yeah. could have seen it. Oh, God, yeah. And the next one is about our favorite New York Post uh, subject. Ugh, still, Howard's eldest daughter, Emily, had misgivings about her father's second marriage. According to her, the divorce of her parents came as a complete shock. In a comment to the New York Post in 2015, Emily said, I felt like the divorce came out of nowhere. He used to be one way, then he marries a model. <laughs> Those Why negative is comments. This in this, what we're, uh, well, what this, is this, this kind art? of flies in the face of if it's not, if it's, would Buckwald, if Buckwald put this together, would they include that? He's not, something's up. Like this, this whole article, obviously it's, 
it's just throwing the kitchen sink at everything fine but clearly something's still going on between him and his daughter emily because she's been mentioned in a bunch of fluff pieces as of mm. late in this year like you multiple. mean in this specifically in this context specifically in this context with the new york post and how he she didn't like bath and what she said mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and at the time i remember he he put the kibosh on a photo exhibit called wells of miriam and uh like it was it was announced that it was going to be canceled and uh it was right after he did that you know that bizarre re like recitation about you know i got a great master relationship and i wish we, <laughs> we should probably should play it but we're not going to this time uh because we have before in previous episodes those negative comments reportedly result in family tension but howard maintained he had a close bond with his children plus he and beth were still very much in love so basically fuck the daughters listen to how fake that sounds but yeah. he maintains that everything's fine and we should believe him. So the 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 marriage with the beards going well, and the relationship with his daughters. Oh, okay. When's the last time he's been seen with his kids? Okay, I love this fucking clip because <laughs> he's so fumpering. I know. I, I, Emily called me. She goes, Dad. Uh, I I talked to the New York Post, and I don't know what happened to this article. Right. And I said, oh, I, I go, it's all right. I read it. I, she goes, it, the headline was that my daughter's afraid to date. Meanwhile, she was just in a relationship. I don't know what. I said, what's that about? She goes, I don't even know. My three daughters are fucking amazing. And I, I'm very blessed. I have such a great relationship with them. And I really do. And uh, what can I tell you? I swear. <laughs> he fumpers so much to that whole thing. I won't play the entire clip because it's out there. I've already got it on my channel, but um, it's just complete nonsense. And do you, do you get the sense from listening to that that he is comfortable in the slightest? Super honest. I just, you know. <laughs> okay. So the next part sounds, here is it our sounds favorite. like OJ giving his fucking deposition during the civil trial. <laughs> okay, here, here's a good one for you. Um, yeah, yeah, part of their connection stemmed from their love of animals. By the way, Howard hated animals before this. Beth, a vocal animal rights activist, that's only after her being famous in magazines and uh, television didn't work out. So a uh, vocal animal rights activist authored a bestseller, Oh My Dog, How to Choose, Train, Groom, Nurture, Feed, and Care for Your New Best Friend. Oh, does that mean making every cat you have the size of a fucking couch? <laughs> and uh, in any event, by the way, the guys, if you want to compare her bestseller, uh, you can look it up. The, the numbers don't indicate anything regarding a bestseller. Um, I think Stussy, the, uh, the guy who was on the Howard TV crew, released a book about farming that sold more than her old my, oh my dog. What a narcissist vanity project. Like, could you yeah. imagine not knowing anything about dogs or cats in the sense you're a veterinarian or a medical specialist or you actually did this previously before your life with Howard and all of a sudden you're saying, I'm going to write a book about dogs. But still and went I'm gonna to plug have... it on Letterman. They, they and... shoehorned her onto fucking Letterman to promote oh, it. She goes, people think I know everything about dogs. I don't. What? I... It, and the worst of that was, is he wouldn't let anyone talk shit about that appearance. She looked so retarded. Nuts. Just nuts. We're, br we're bringing we're, that word back, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're working with the North Shore Animal League. The Stearns fostered over 500 cats and dogs. Dogs? 
It was one fucking uh, anchor pit bull going in the in the pool, and mostly a bunch of cats, all missing eyes. There's probably some fucking goblet with eyes waiting to be consumed. Rescuing and advocating for furry critters was their shared passion and strengthened their bond. <laughs> So it's the picture of that real men love cats that a bunch of us photoshoppers have turned into real men love cock, real men hate vagina. All this shit. <laughs> Do you think the fact that they got like tattoos of their dead pets together? Like that was like, oh, what are we going to do next? We already adopted all these fosters. We have to still like keep this farce up. So let's get a bunch of shitty ink together of our dead this- animals. This is the funniest thing in the article, and I'm going to post it. So they actually used a Photoshop one of us put of her Bianca tattoo. Only one of us Photoshopped Jared, the mom caves host, onto her arm as a tattoo she got. But this article doesn't know the difference. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, in fact, Beth and Howard shared several matching tattoos in memoriam of their late bets. One, the name of their cherished dog daughter. Dog daughter. Bianca, an English bulldog, the other an apple, the namesake of their first cat. So I'll show you oh. that the highlight. This <laughs> <Just> Jared. <laughs> she literally did a photo shoot in front of the urn. <laughs> Fuck. All right, let's continue. Okay. I'm learning so much. Beth contributed much of their marital bliss. Okay, anyone who says marital bliss is in hell or gay. Yeah. yeah. Let's let's cut to the shit. You're blowing guys or your wife's a psycho or husband yeah. and or right. Okay, Beth contributed much of their marital bliss to Howard's romantic side. We appreciate <clears throat> each other and he really listens to everything I say. I think he's quite a catch. The perfect husband. <laughs> didn't we hear in that Ablo interview where he, she goes, he goes, I didn't even hear what she said. No, what <laughs> was, was that? Like, exactly. When he was not whipping up watercolor paintings of roses for his wife, Howard always looked for opportunities to make his wife feel special. For example, the time he st- attempted to sketch Beth while on a date but hysterically missed the mark. And it looks like it looks like uh the one of the statues on Easter Island. This is when your kids are bored at a restaurant and they start <laughs> using the crayons that they get from the kid menu and just start drawing. <laughs> like one of the Burger King coloring menus. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> this is supposedly at him, and I can believe it, actually, because it's as shitty as art as he can do. I think this is him. It says uh, it's off of his Twitter page, so it must be. Next part. Oh, God. Oh, it's, why hits are keep you... on coming. Hits keep on coming. He is a skin worm. He looks like a thumb with a wig. <laughs> He's a thumb with a wig and glasses. There's just like no other way to think of this picture. But okay. Uh, he's the Beetlejuice sandworm. Their lives were less X-rated than Howard's notoriously raunchy radio persona. Oh, yeah. No shit. We, we don't believe the guy who said no foreplay for Allison is going to be eating Beth's fucking vagina, even if that's what she has. Though he still cracked Beth up in unexpected ways, like 
when she had to walk her 63-year-old husband through brewing a pot of coffee. This is a paragraph, guys. Yeah. After 11 years of marriage, Beth and Howard had adopted a regular life with a regular routine. It was dinner by 4 p.m. and lights out by 8 in the Stern household since the radio business has an early call time. <laughs> He's fucking podcasting. Uh, why Why would you put this out and you're thinking that this screams I'm straight and we're happy? The last this... picture, guys, we're putting it up there. It's with, Yo- <laughs> it's, with y- it's with Yoda and that hair has a life all its own. You know what's so crazy about this picture is this came out like a little bit after the fact Ken McKenna posted this great uh, reveal. He's one of our Ken's listeners. On, yeah, he's on our Facebook page. And the reveal was that Howard and Beth talked about seriously having kids in 2012. And not only did they seriously talk about it amongst the, themselves, but they said all summer, all summer, they talked about it. To the point where they included his parents and her parents. There was a blind from either CDAN or AGC main page, wherever you want to get your stuff from, that was dated sometime in the summer of this year, but it was revealed, quote, unquote. And this is the um, this is from NT. Um, <clears throat> this, excuse me. The celebrity wife of this permanent A++ lister in his corner of the entertainment world <laughs> uh, keeps on spending PR money to appear in as many publications, podcasts, shows, uh, as possible when he retires and they divorce uh, this is amazing the way it's written when he retires and they divorce as if that's a, a done deal like one's coming with the other well there she was already po- previously blind articles about her wanting to get divorced yeah she is poised to capture the spotlight for herself uh, and then it says Howard Stern Beth Ostrowski Stern uh, Howard Stern's wife Beth shows off mind blowing body and fatty cat lifting workout uh, and it says it's revealed and it, it, I, I found that fascinating that it's like when he retires and they divorce like yeah that's there's, a one two combo yes so I mean it, 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 it's sounding more and more guys if you want to believe any of this that he's not going to get re-signed and that as soon as he's done she's she's gone like he's going to fucking She's gonna hit the hit the take the what do you call it head for the hills as he would call it take her settlement whatever fucking peanuts he's willing to give her one marble and then um, he's gonna probably <laughs> throw that do the broke back mountain thing that's our that's our contention I believe yeah no I'm with you on this I I've always thought that this was when this first started coming out and more and more how Ralph is getting involved with his sexuality and there's, there's just so many clues to this. It's Mm -hmm. just, you can't ignore it. And these fluff pieces are so incredibly mistaken and embarrassing that where else do you think this is going to go? Well, originally I said, as long as Ray and Ben are still alive, he'll never come out of the closet if he is gay or bisexual, whatever, you know, way you want to call it. And I don't, I, I kind of feel that that's still the case. I'm not a hundred percent that he's ever going to come out at all. Not until they're dead. Uh, but if, if it, it was good, the only way that I said it before in a previous podcast, the only way he would come out, I think on the spur of anything would be to get out of some kind of controversy that's worse existing and already like he can't get out of it. So he's like, Oh, I'll, I'll trump it by making huge news this way. 
but it would have to be pretty drastic for him to do it. So I think anyway. even the gay, the gay stuff, by the way, I think even if he did it, everything else before this in this article, like it's just so insane. I mean, it's just a complete fabrication. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think that's about it for this one, guys. We hope you enjoyed this little blast of our own. And uh, as someone else said, yes, blast is a media term. Uh, it's used to be like a like a news factoid, like a, a video clip that's short. But in this context, it's just a, a news article. It's an online article instead. And it's meant to be... Um, like a breaking blurb, news? Almost. Yeah, kind of thing. So uh, okay. in this case, <laughs> it's all over the place. Um, we hope you enjoyed this one. We're going to be coming up with more stuff as the weeks come on. We hope everybody's having a good November. And um, stay healthy, everybody, all things all things uh, considered. Yes, yeah, Sam. And I love how everyone gives suggestions for shows on our Facebook mm-hmm. page. Uh, super smart fans who do really creative things and posts, and I love them so much. I think they're so funny, and I take them into consideration, and so does Fillmore. We discuss them, so keep adding ideas. We love mm-hmm. to hear them. It doesn't mean we're going to do them, but just yeah. giving them is great. Um, thank you for all of you, the new members of the Facebook page. Um, for those of you who don't already know, we've uh, we've got a Facebook page for our group, uh, quite frankly. And um, and um, thank you for all the suggestions, as Sam said. And we love you. Bye, guys. Take care. Oh, just real quick, I was also calling because uh, I just wanted to Bye. see my tour <laughs> on the seventeenth of. <laughs> Yeah. Thanks, Eric. Back, back. <laughs> back, back. All right, buddy. Back, back. Eric, what? I couldn't hear you. What did you say? I said the tour that I'm. Take care, see. man. Back, back. <laughs> Don't ever call back. <laughs>